This is a special episode for me today. This is my 50th episode of In a Skirt podcast. I started this podcast a little over a year ago, not knowing what I was doing. I just had an idea and I wanted to put that idea out there. I wanted a way to share inspiring stories and I wanted to celebrate unconventional runners and athletes. I wanted to bring something positive to the running world. I have had so much fun putting together each episode, and I've had fun getting to know you all, the people who listen. So to celebrate you, my listeners, I'm giving away some of my favorite things. I love tacos and I love running, so I've put together a taco runner starter kit. This kit includes taco sunglasses from Gooder, so these are non-slip running sunglasses. Also included is a pair of moisture wicking running socks, taco running socks, and a set of will run for tacos bib boards. Bib boards are clips that keep your race bib in place without having to use safety pins and poke holes in your shirt. So I want to give this taco runner starter pack to a listener. All you have to do is share something about this podcast episode on Facebook or Instagram. You can share a screenshot of your podcast app and say you're listening to In A Skirt Podcast, or you can share my post about today's episode. Just share something on Facebook and or Instagram specifically about In A Skirt Podcast. Double entry if you share on both Facebook and Instagram. You also need to make sure you tag my Facebook page or Instagram profile in whatever you share or I won't know you shared it. And if you have a private Facebook page, then you need to make this one post public or I won't be able to see that you've shared it. So that's all you have to do. You can share starting today through Thursday and I'll pick a winner after that. Okay, so my 50th episode is also really special for another reason. Beatty Deutsch is today's guest. Beatty was one of my inspirations for starting this podcast. In early 2019, Beatty won the Israeli National Marathon Championship with a time of 2 hours and 42 minutes. She made headlines after she won that championship, and a picture of her standing on the podium in her skirt while holding one of her children made running news all over the world. I was amazed at what Beatty had accomplished in her skirt and knew as soon as I saw that picture of her that I had to do something to celebrate people like Beatty. Beatty is 30 years old and a mother of five children. In this episode, Beatty explains why she started running four years ago, how she's gone from a three hour and 27 minute marathon to a two hour and 32 minute marathon, why she runs in a skirt and her goals for the future. Beatty is one of those people who speaks positivity to herself and to others. She doesn't dwell on negative what-ifs, and instead she prefers to concentrate on what she can handle and who is really in control of her life, God. She has had an amazingly successful year, but her rise to professional running is also coinciding with a very tough and strange time for runners. Beatty is currently ranked in the top 80 female marathoners in the world, a ranking that is likely to secure her a spot at the 2020 Olympics. But whether the 2020 Olympics will actually happen is unknown right now. Races all over the world have been canceled or postponed to help stop the spread of coronavirus. And if the Olympics do happen, it's possible the marathon will be run on a Saturday. As Beatty is religiously observant, Saturday is the Sabbath and she would forego the race. But through these crazy times and faced with so much unknown, Beatty is remaining calm and positive. Her ambition, hard work, love for her family, and steadfastness to her faith are truly inspirational. Here's my conversation with Beatty. So, Beatty, you know, I've, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while um, because I first read about you, I guess it's been right about a year, so a little more than a year ago, you had this fairly normal life, busy, but normal, right? And, and then you, you won a marathon. When was it? Was it February of 2019? And you made Runner's World News, news all over the place. And your life just kind of took a big turn at that point. Um, was it about a year ago? Yeah, it was a little over a year ago. It was like in the beginning of January last year. But um, yeah, and you know, at this point, I feel like I already feel like my I'm I'm so used to what I'm doing right now, but yeah, things changed a lot. Like yeah, last year. <laughs> and so, what what marathon was that? January of 2019. That was the um, Israel Tiberias National Championship Marathon in Israel. Okay, and you were in a 2:42. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me your life. I want to talk a lot about your running, but tell me about your life before that happened. Like where you live, where you're working, your husband, your kiddos. What were you doing before that? Before I was running, I, um, I've always been working in, you know, Jewish outreach. And I was for the, like past five years, I had been working for a big Jewish nonprofit that helped pretty much like Jewish college students and young professionals get connected to their heritage through trips, online learning programs, college learning programs. Like my job was director of follow-up and I like managed connections and networking for all these students. Um, and I had been, we, we lived in Israel when I got married. Um, we moved, we, we moved to Israel. We really were actually, I met my husband in Israel. Um, and then we just, we just got married in the States and came right back to Israel and we have been in Israel since, which was, we got married in 2009, except for two years where we lived in Tucson, Arizona. For, for two years, we worked on a college campus with Jewish students. But mm-hmm. pretty much like I'm saying, everything revolved around, I was very passionate about, you know, um, sharing Judaism with other, like, less affiliated or less, like, educated Jews. And um, over the past, you know, I had, I had, thank God, four kids in six years. And oh, wow. then my my fifth my fifth baby was born after I started running. She was I. That's kind of when people started to sort of know me on the running scene because mm-hmm. I ran a marathon seven months pregnant. Oh wow! That was the the year after I ran my first marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I never I didn't I didn't I always was you know athletic and enjoyed sports growing up. And I actually have like I got my black belt in taekwondo. But I didn't, I didn't grow up like with a lot of, um, you know, we didn't have track teams or cross, cross country or track and field. Like I didn't know anything about that at all. I didn't go to college with sports or anything like that. I didn't go to high school with sports. So I was a complete like, you know, newbie to the sport. (laughs) I started running just because like I I just wanted a, a way to get back in shape and it was free and I could do it on my own time. And it was they don't require anything special, you know, no yeah. equipment needed. So it was the perfect fit for what I needed at the time with my life. <laughs> so where did you grow up? I, I grew up in New Jersey, um, actually in Passaic, northern New Jersey. Um, and it's, an, it's a pretty nice Jewish community. I went to high school in, in New York City, like, but there was a, it was also an all-girls Jewish high school. Okay. So you started writing, you said, when you were um, – before you – got pregnant with your fifth kid after you had your fourth kid? So, yeah, I was, I think, I was like 26 when I started running. It was basically my fourth son. He was around nine months old. And and I had just realized, like, uh, you know, I'm so out of shape. Like, I have to do something. (laughs) And so I told my husband, like, I mean, I had this epiphany when my family had races on the beach and we were, I'm the oldest of five siblings and um, a five kids. Sorry. I have four siblings, but um, I always used to be the fastest one, you know, now I have brothers, but then like, this was just like a hundred meter dash on the beach. And like, I was huffing and puffing and came in dead last. And I just realized like how much I had, how much I'd lost myself. Like I was yeah. so out of shape. And so I, at the end of that, that was, that was like in May, in April. But then at the end of the summer, I, I encouraged my husband to do a home. He did a big 180-mile bike ride, and I supported him through it. And then at the end of the summer, I told him, like, okay, it's my turn. Like, I'm like, that's it. I'm running a marathon. <laughs> and I always joke because people – most people do the couch to 5K route, and I did, like, the couch to marathon route, which oh, is wow. very typical. So that was just what four years ago? Because you you you're only thirty years old now, right? Is that correct? Yeah, it was exactly four. Yeah, it was. Four, I ran my first marathon in February two thousand four years ago. And what was your time on that first one? I ran. So I ran a three twenty seven, which was very crazy because when I signed up for that marathon, um, I didn't think I'd be able to finish it in four and a half hours. Oh wow! And. And my husband was like, he was he was helping me register, and he's like, you know, I'll put down 440. He was, <laughs> and then about a month a month before the marathon, he said to me, you know, like 
you don't want to just cross the finish line of this marathon. Like you want to know when you cross the finish line that you gave it your all, like you got the best possible time you could. And I remember thinking I was like insulted, like, are you kidding? If I cross the finish line of a marathon, that's like the biggest (laughs) thing I've ever done in my life. Like that's enough. Right. And he really encouraged me to go and, and like to try and see what I was capable of. So he said, why don't you do a half marathon time trial? And based on that, he'll be able to predict, he'll do a user race predictor and he could tell me what I should be able to do in a marathon, which thinking back now, was it's crazy that it all worked out because I wasn't really following a marathon training plan so specifically. Like I, since I didn't know what my goal race pace was, it wasn't like I was like running workouts and tempos. I ran four times a week and I built up the long run mileage. And the one workout I did a week was like just six all out 30 second sprints. Mm-hmm. with four minutes of cool down in between, which like thinking of it now, it's like not a real workout, but that's, <laughs> that's what I was doing. And and then I, I ran by myself an hour, 41 minute half marathon, just like in my park. And then he told me that I would be able to do a three and a half hour marathon. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that when he said that, I thought that's crazy. It was like nuts. It was probably the scariest thing I'd ever heard. Because, you know, the biggest mistake amateur runners make is is just going out too fast in the beginning and then you blow up and you can't finish the race. And I was really like, I don't want that to happen to me. I just wanted to finish. I don't want the pressure. And in the end, my husband really, like, he he got me a running watch and he said, okay, I'll set it so that every mile you just get progressively faster. You don't have to start out quite at the eight-minute mile pace. And and then he's like, it will average out to that. And he even said it. It was cool. Like, it beeped if I went too fast or too slow. Like, I had a window of time of pace. And mm-hmm. I just like fought, stuck. I was like glued to my eyes were glued to the watch the whole time. And I stuck to that plan. And I ended up running like a 327 marathon. And it was so incredibly empowering that experience to see that something I never thought like four months before I never would have dreamed possible. And even the day before the race, I couldn't possibly imagine myself like really doing it. I didn't know I had it in me to then go out there and do it. And I really encourage like it also, it also reinforced for me this idea of like experiencing challenges and and tests in our life and how like, if you don't, the greatest growth in life happens when you step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And if you don't take those risks in life, you'll never get to like that that level of growth and that uncovering of who you are and what mm-hmm. you're meant to be. So it was like incredibly eye opening, both like as a runner, but even more as like a person. Um, and yeah, since then, I've just been hooked on running. <laughs> wow. So did you did you ever think when you I mean, because 327 for a first marathon is just amazing. You know, I, I've been running for seven and a half years. And I just ran a 331. And it was my fourth marathon. And I'm, you know, just so excited about that. So 327 yeah, for the first it, one. Did you ever imagine when you did that, that that was just the beginning that you would cut nearly an hour off your time? No. I never, ever, ever imagined it, ever. I remember, that's the thing, I wrote I wrote a post recently, I was like, I talk about dream big a lot, I say dream big, but it's like mostly talking to myself, because like what I've realized is like we do not even truly comprehend what we're capable of, and like mm-hmm. every time, even the things that I've said, you know, even after running a three and a half, a 327 my first time, I remember thinking like, do you think I'll ever be able to do a three hour, a sub three hour marathon? That was like crazy, like no way. And then even, even after winning the Jerusalem marathon in a 309 and a really hilly course, my friend encouraged me like to go for the 245 OTQ. And I was like, no, no, that's not possible. Like no way. And then even after running the 242 in Tavaria, I thought, I never would have dreamed that I'd run like a 232 the year later. Yeah. So it's like made me and only now it's finally sinking into me. Like, don't limit yourself. Like, don't put, right. don't put a cap on what you're capable because like it, it's there. And when you start to like sit and what you have no idea what you're actually capable of. And if instead of constantly saying like, oh, I don't see that as possible or I'm so far away think about if it's a dream for you and you want it to happen then you can make it happen you know right I don't I it's still funny to me though because I listen to I'll, I'll sometimes listen to I'll, I listen to a lot of podcasts running podcasts and I'll listen to like you know I listen to Alicine Tulia Mack from uh who just won the trials and yeah. she kept talking about you know um how if you like the same idea, you know, have big goals and dreams and believe in yourself and with your hard work, like anything's possible. I'm like, I don't, I, I think 
that you you do have to be realistic in terms of like like I I do I very much believe that like God gives us gifts and 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 I all the time credit like my running as like it's a gift from God like I don't I work everyone has to work hard but you also have to recognize like what is your talent what's like what are you good at because we all have strengths and weaknesses and like I think if you're you know running after something and constantly struggling and trying to make it like you have something that's like that's unrealistic then like maybe it's not it's not the right path for you at that time like right now you have yeah. to I think you have to work with what you're given you know mm-hmm. in a certain way but within what you what you're good what your strengths are and and I'm not saying and maybe I'm saying I think anyone can get can always improve in every area it's just there are certain everyone has you know is blessed with different strengths and weaknesses so right I, I agree keep that in mind <laughs> you have different talents I mean you have everybody has different talent and do you know who Dina Castor yeah of course okay She's one so, of my biggest mentors in running I got to meet her this summer oh that's right that's right I saw I'm the like pictures a huge of you Dina Castor fan yeah and I like love everything she says yeah she's amazing <laughs> and so I read her book of her parents she had a talent and so as a child different types of activity different sports all different type of stuff because a talent hidden they just it was and that's all this other stuff and her talent wasn't there and then one day they signed her up for running and they found it and so always wonder you know everybody's got a gift deep within them how do you find that and so I think you had this gift and that gift became apparent when you ran a 326 but then your hard work took over and took that 320 or that 327 to a 232 so is, is that what it is right now, a, a 232, your PR in the marathon? Yeah, my PR is a 232. Right. And then a, what is it for a half? Yeah. What is your half marathon PR? I just ran a one, 114. Okay. Yeah. So you, you clearly had this gift waiting to come out and then coupled with the gift, I follow you on Strava and you've put in a ton of hard work over the last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, I work. I definitely work hard. I like working hard. That's my mind. Like meant I'm always, a, I've always been a really like motivated hardworking person and like I enjoy it like it's part of like and you can't get anywhere in running without the hard work no that's like uh -uh. to me is like obvious like I wouldn't take like everyone can say I worked I mean I'm saying like we all have to work hard to achieve whatever it is you want in life and people most of the time people don't I think I think more than that is also the ability to like um to tap into the power of your mind Mm -hmm. because I've seen how much it's like been a game changer for me in in running and I think everyone who's who's an athlete like who gets who is successful in their athletic career realizes it at some point or another and hopefully earlier on rather than later yeah and I think it's not just but I think it's more than I think it's more than just you know uh, athletic careers I think our mind is incredible for anything we do oh right and do you think I just wonder do you think being a mom you know five kids gives you a bit of extra that maybe other people don't have I think that I have, it's an advantage in the sense that um, a lot of people, professional athletes who are like, that's their whole life, like they obsess over so much over their workouts and like, they can't like take their mind off of anything. Like it becomes almost like a stress because like, that's all they're focusing on. Um, and then when things don't go well, it's like really hard for them to get out of that rut. And versus me, who's like, I don't have any uh, I'm saying when I I like have no time to even like I barely think about my workout it's like you run and I come home and I'm like thrown right into like the craziness of life and like and it's great and like when I show up to a race I'm like oh wow amazing qu- time with myself the night before the race I feel so happy to just like get a little chill time and then like yeah. I go race and and also like my why is like very much like I when I'm having, if at the end of like a long run or like a workout or a race, I can think about like, look at my family's like done so much to support me and my kids. And I want to show them like, like all that. So like, I'm very motivated in a certain way because of it. So I think, I think in that way, it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, the disadvantage is obviously that um, I don't have nearly as much time to like recover and, and rest and whatever. But like every, there are moms juggling intense careers like in all fields. So right. I, I don't think that like being a professional runner is like uniquely challenging for moms. I think that as women, as mothers, we could choose to pursue something we're passionate about and still be completely dedicated and devoted to our family and balance both it just requires a lot of it's not easy but if you're something you're committed to I think you can do it you have to be a good juggler you know yeah because I was um I was thinking uh yesterday about this and I was thinking 
you know, Beatty's still the same person she was in 2018 before everybody learned her name. So on top of your speaking engagements and your intense training, you're very open on Instagram about the fact that you're still cooking for a family of seven and you have a lot of, you have <laughs> yeah. a lot of laundry, a lot of laundry to do. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. It's so, really getting to me this week. <laughs> I can imagine. I only have three kids, but the amount of laundry that they can produce, it feels like what one of my kids told me one day, he said, mom, your never ending story is laundry. It never ends. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't end. So no, it does never end. Do you have a lot? Do you have any support to help you with all of that? For, I had like a, I had someone actually in Israel who was like really wanted to help me train and sponsor me. So like he was helpful about getting, I need, I, this is going to die, helpful about getting me, um, uh, I had like, I have a cleaning lady who comes like once a week to help fold laundry, but also, but she didn't come this past week and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen for the next two weeks, but part of it is like, I'm really like, if I didn't care so much about it being folded nicely and put away, yeah. like I might be able to manage, I'm trying really hard to work on that. Like it doesn't really matter because it just keeps getting like, you know, reused again and like yes. <laughs> it just keeps getting worn and needed to go back into the laundry so why do I care so much you know but somehow I do yeah I had to do that um, I had to do that last summer I let my two older and it looked awful and I just had to be like okay it doesn't matter right. <laughs> they're, they're the ones wearing it yeah, it doesn't I'm matter on that. <laughs> yeah so um who's coaching you right now and what what does your training look like in terms of like how many miles well I um my coach is Amit Neman. He's in Israel. He's a big, um, he's like very been involved in athletics for many years. Um, and he, he, um, we were training for, I was training for a marathon right now, but the marathon is canceled. So I was like doing, you know, very high, like, I mean, for me, it's the highest mileage I've ever done, which is like between like 90 to hundred miles a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably, I mean, I'll probably do like around 90 now because I'm going to go down we're, we're, we're stopping the marathon training kind of and doing more like shorter distance mm-hmm. speed right now, which I never really got to do mm-hmm. because I've been just like built. So I'm excited about that a little bit, except they closed our tracks. I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to <laughs> still do it somewhere. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to, I run around like 90, it'll be around 90 miles a week, maybe, maybe 85 some weeks. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Um, and so I'm so used to it. It feels like so normal, you know, how, how, um, <laughs> how many miles were you running like on your own before you went pro? I was not, I wasn't running as much. I, I didn't even know it was a thing to run high volume. So, um, I was like, when I first was, okay, I, I started training with a group, like, six months before I ran the national championship marathon. Mm-hmm. And that's when they told me like, like, Oh, you know, it is a thing to run um, higher mileage. And so in that, in that marathon training cycle, I got up to um, around 75 miles, but that was like the peak week. Like most of the weeks was more like uh, it was closer to, I don't know, like seven, 65, 70 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've slowly built like every training cycle. My coach made the like the the weeks a little bit higher and now now it was like the this training cycle was like my highest mileage okay and so you what was it the jerusalem marathon that got canceled that did get canceled but that wasn't going to be my race okay um i was going to be running the rotterdam marathon Mm -hmm. april 5th but that was also canceled so um because i follow um spirit fitness what's her name the the lady who lives in Arizona. Oh, sure. Yeah. Is it... Yeah, she's she was supposed to come in for the Jerusalem marathon. Yeah. And, and I saw that had gotten it was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad because there's so many good nice charities that, you know, raise money through that race and like I hope people still are able to uh um, you know, make organizations still get the money and everything so well speaking of charities what is the there there's an organization that you are raising funds for off and on can you tell me a little bit about that organization? yeah so based on is the organization i raise money for um and they were started was started in memory of my cousin daniela achaya pardes um who she suffered from anorexia and then unfortunately she she when she, she came out of the hospital and like the transition from 
hospitalization back to everyday life was really, really difficult for her, and she didn't end up um, making it. She took her own life. So her mother, who wanted to just, she was amazing. She didn't want, she didn't let this tragedy, like, you know, she wanted to turn it to something positive, and she created Baby Daniela, which is a program that is um, for any kid suffering from any kind of mental illness, mental health issues, you know, helping them transition from out of the hospital to back to school. Like before they're ready, this is the like, this, it's a day center. So they come, mm-hmm. they have one-on-one classes, they have horse therapy, dog therapy, all their therapists there. But like most of these kids, when you come into the hospital, they're at the like lowest point in their life and they're missing. And, and it's, if they're not ready for school and if they just stay home, then they're, they're really also lacking because they need structure. Mm-hmm. And so Basinella is like filling a unique uh, niche for these um, children and teenagers. So I raise money for Bethaniela and it's in a beautiful location. It's open and it's helping children every day and saving lives. And I'm really, I feel really blessed to be able to use like my talent to make a difference for other people. So if someone wants to help support that organization, where could they go for more information? Um, so my, in my Instagram, there's a link um, in my bio that's mm-hmm. to donate to my campaign. Okay. Um, it's, it's that. And also, if they go to baitdaniela.org, then they can just see more about Baitdaniela and donate there. Okay. And also. I'll I'll put a link to that in the show notes so anybody who listens to the episode can click on your Instagram bio and click on that link to Yeah, that would Daniela. be amazing. So I want to talk about something that really makes you stand out and what um, initially drew me to you. Because I I am um, I'm Pentecostal. Uh, a Christian um, who goes to a Pentecostal church and I dress modestly differently than everybody else. You know, I run in a skirt and um, I don't wear sleeveless shirts. And so when I first saw that runner's world article of you standing on the podium in a skirt, uh, it just, it was really thrilling to see that, uh, to see someone who looked like me standing up on a podium you know, I think you had your kids in the picture too. So tell me about about your running clothes and why you dress you do. Um, yes, yeah, so I grew up, um, you know, uh, Orthodox Jewish. And modesty has been something that's, you know, been part of, always been part of my life. Um, and um, whenever, I mean, it's not even people to, all the time are always like, oh my gosh, like, how do you run in a skirt? Like, oh my goodness, don't you realize like you'd go so much faster if you took off the skirt? Um, it's pretty much, you know, it's not something I ever have questioned. And I, um, I, I feel very, I, the idea of modesty is kind of, you know, we, we want to let our like inner soul shine and be like, and not have not be where we recognize like wearing when you know dressing modestly we realize like we're not just the body we're also the soul and that's what's important um and we want people to connect to us on that deeper level mm-hmm. um and you know that's how I've I've been open also there are parts of like sometimes I don't think we could necessarily understand fully every aspect of modesty and and I think it's it's always beautiful to be able to understand and know why we keep certain commandments but like they're also parts of mitzvot commandments that we don't necessarily understand so like for instance you know I don't I see that like I don't think professional runners are dressing the way they do to like show off their bodies I think yeah. they're dressing the way they do because that it, that is like conducive to running yeah. better you know like it's necessary for the sport so but like so you know what I say oh I don't understand why if I'm a professional runner why I couldn't do it but at the same time I think it's helpful for me when dressing modestly reminds me like who is the source of my strength and like modest modest clothing ultimately it's the same character trait of modesty to remind us like we are we're not everything we have is is you know was given to us by god like and don't get too carried you know carried away by like your accomplishments and the podiums and the medals and i work so hard for this and it's very easy when you're in a like a uh, position like I am as an athlete where you do put in a ton of hard work and you do want to be proud of what you've done but to realize and remember at the end of the day like I always say you know I don't show up to the start line expecting a miracle because I know I had to work hard I have to work to get where I yes. have to put an effort as humans but I know that like every step I take is a miracle like it's not it's not me it's it's all it's all like through the strength of God so dressing modestly reminds me of that and and um, I'm very, um, I am 
you know, proud to stand out, I guess, because I think it's, it's, I think it's really okay to, I mean, I think it's really important to not compromise on our values and beliefs and everyone has different things that they're proud of and passionate of. And part of what like makes the world special is like that we can respect everyone for their different beliefs and Mm -hmm. values and that we should continue to be able to stand up for our values and, and all of us participate in sport together that way. No, I agree. I think that's that's beautiful and that's that's wonderful. How does it has it affected any sponsorships at all? Because you you have some sponsors, but you're not able to always wear the clothing that they provide. So how does that how does right. that work? Um, no, so I don't have in Israel. We don't have a like very much a very developed sponsorship system the way they do in the states. Like um, not, um, there's no like shoe companies writing out contracts for professional athletes so um i i do have a relationship with nike where they you know give me um they 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 give me a package of shoes and clothing and i'm not always able to wear a lot of what they give me but they also do sometimes let me like i i made my own nike skirt <laughs> from a dry a men's dry fit shirt and they they felt they'll try and be like accommodating to in a certain way um let me take certain things from the store if I can't find, you know, like there's not clothing that fits that, that works, but um, it hasn't, I haven't had any negative experiences, honestly, from, from choosing to dress the way I do. Always only, it's always been positive. So besides the skirt that you made, where are you finding your, your clothing from? Um, There's like a ton of, it's funny. There are so many modest activewear clothing companies these days. Um, I have from Kosher Casual, a ton of skirts I love. I get from Snow Athletics. They also have really nice stuff. Wuko Gals, I don't wear so much for, like, workouts, but, like, they do make nice, like, running skirts, just, like, and you can wear them every day, casual. Um, there's, I couldn't list, like, a whole bunch of, there's a company called Omni Modesty that sent me something, Sweet Lemon Time. There's, oh, oh uh, Mod Sportswear. They're awesome. I, I haven't really worn so much of their stuff, but I really like the people there. Um, someone just told me she made, she's making me a skirt. Her company's called Made by Bays. Like there are a bunch of, I see a lot. I keep telling Nike, I'm like, you're missing out on the biggest trend in women's right. these days. Exactly. <laughs> I said, you don't realize how many people, how many women. I'm like, it's not just Jews. There's like a whole amazing Christian community of women who also proudly wear their skirts. I'm right. Like, we should be doing more, but they don't seem to like see it as much as I see, uh, um, you know, like they don't, yeah, see it right. the same way. So, and and that's why that's why you're such a big deal to a lot of us because there there is a huge community out there, like like that I'm part of, and we're dressing like that, but we're not we're not in the spotlight like you are. And so you're you're normalizing us. You know, you're the 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 spotlight, the spokesperson for the rest of us because right. larger companies don't believe we're out there. And there's there's a huge segment in all different religions that are dressing this way, and so we're so glad to have to have Beatty standing on a podium somewhere saying, "See, here is a pro athlete." We're telling you, there's people who really do run in skirts, right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, to me, it's like a really you know, it's a cool opportunity, and I also I believe like it's even more than just. Um, idea of like representing our values I think it's kind of also like a inspiring message for all women to just realize like there is not like one way to be to to dress or look as a runner the same way people talk about having a runner's body like I don't have a runner's body either but like so I just want that to be put out there like you don't have to be wearing you know a sports bra and and shorts to run and feel comfortable like if you want to run in a skirt if you want to run in a burqa if you want to run in leggings if you want to run in a hijab whatever it is like you, however you want to dress you want to run in a tutu like whatever makes you feel right. comfortable go out there and do it and right so, like I, I think it used to be like a very idealized way that women need to look as runners and like I want to change that stigma right I agree with that because for a long time I thought if you called yourself a runner you had to look like Shalane Flanagan like that that was it like that was what you had to look like, what you had to dress like, and it's it's not true. We come in all shapes and sizes and, and all clothing, and the more we allow people to get out there with what they want to wear and how they look, then the less afraid society is going to be of 
of people who dress differently. Right, right. So, so when you were growing up, were oh, there... Yes, well, part of that. When you were growing up, were there any women like you that, that you were able to look up to? Honestly, like, when I was growing up, I didn't even, like, I didn't... I didn't ever think about this, you know. I mean, I I did used to do I didn't I used to do gymnastics and I stopped doing gymnastics at at twelve because we didn't have any like all girls classes and coaches and whatever, so it didn't really work with the modesty thing. And I remember being like a little disappointed, but I found mm-hmm. Taekwondo and that was like a better fit for modesty and it was a good sport. Um, and I'm not like I I wasn't I, I don't know I, I think I'd just like never have have been like someone who struggled or questioned things so like I, I kind of just went with the flow of it and right and I didn't and I, I never imagined myself even really being in this position like it's too but now I get a lot of messages and from women who have told me that I, that I inspired them to wear a skirt or girls who ask me tell me I'm their role model and that they look up to me or like who ask me for like support and dealing with their modesty you know issues so um, I'm happy that it seems to be like it's a lot more. And I see that there are a lot more opportunities for girls and women to pursue sports. And I really I hope that it continues because I think sports are such an incredible outlet for everyone. And I want more, I, especially even in Israel, as a professional, like distance runner, female distance runner, it's like super small field. Like there's there's really no one else. There's one other woman who's like, she's originally from Kenya and she's our best runner, but she, you know, it's not like such a normal thing even amongst Israeli women. So I kind of want to like show it's possible to have that career and to pursue like careers in sports, both as a woman and as a, you know, Orthodox Jewish mom. (laughs) Right. And it's a, it's a great example for your daughters and for your sons as well, for your sons to, to realize what women can do. And it sounds like your husband has always been aware of that because he seems like, the one who who pushed you to show you what you could do for that first marathon. Yeah, he's he's really supportive. Thank God. So I was just asking, is there? I know, you know, we don't know with this virus what the future of the Olympics this year is going to be. But are there are there any updates on your end about qualifying? The bat issue. Well, well, I'm still in the top eighty list of women, and. Since all the marathons have been, like, canceled from now until who knows, like, there's supposed to be one in Ottawa in May, but we'll see if that happens. Um, I don't know what what's going to happen because, like, you know, I mean, I'm in a good position, but um, I, I hope thing. I don't really have another opportunity to do another marathon, but not, neither do my competitors. So right. So, hopefully, at- uh so at last time I checked, you you were like number seventy six. So you're still kind of hovering around there. Well, I moved down to like seventy, but there's two Russians who are not necessarily going to uh, be able to, um, you know, yeah, compete. So yeah, we'll see. So if they happen, then that looks pretty good for you. Um, any updates on the date? Because I know there were some issues about it being on a Saturday. Um, yeah, so it's no, there's no update right now, but I feel like everyone's kind of preoccupied with uh, um, whether they happen at all with coronavirus. So we're not in the best position to try and uh, um, like petition for just Shabbat. But I was going to check in with the people who are trying to help me and see what we should be doing now. I don't know. It's kind of, I'm, I think every, the whole world is thrown off by this and like I'm just kind of going for a ride here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so, honestly, like, I want to do whatever I can to see if it could get changed. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't get changed, like I won't go to Tokyo and I won't run, you know, and that right. will be part of what it means to be, you know, proud of your values. So wow, that's, that's okay. A, also, that's amazing, though. That's just an amazing testament um, of your faith and of your obedience to your faith to, you know, if, if the Olympics happen and you qualify for them, but they have them on a Saturday to put your faith first. That's that's really that's really something. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I feel very much like there's a, <laughs> we can't control so much of our life. And right. part of like our job is to, I think, accept what what's thrown our way. 
and not like I'm saying I like not like without whatever you can do I will whatever I can do I will do and I truly believe like sport should be something accessible to as many people as possible that's the message of sport it brings people together it's so like uniting so like this is I'm not like causing any like uh, you know I don't think people should bend over backwards for me but I think that it's an opportunity for the Olympics to say like yeah we want to do whatever we can to allow all athletes to compete especially considering that the world championships marathon this year was also for women was also a Saturday it was a Friday night so yeah compete in that either so but but we'll see yeah right now I don't have so much to do for it so right right well I'm rooting for you so it would be neat to to see you to see the Olympics happen first off and to see that run on another day yeah. to be able to see a, a modest woman compete on on a stage like no modest woman has ever competed on before so that would yeah, be that would it would be, be cool. something else so BD just for fun just a, a few questions here um kind of to wrap things up you you know have a lot we talked earlier about mental strength so what is your favorite quote or what runs through your head during hard times when you're running to to kind of help your mind settle down and get you through it well it's interesting I used to be a lot I used to think that endurance meant like pushing through a pain and like you know you have to work so hard and like it's like how how bad do you want it and all that and and I still know on the day of a race like you're you are going to be in the most intense like pain in your life and there's a lot of struggle and you constantly have to choose like part of what i one mantra that dina castors that i really love is like the idea of like she says define yourself because like the moments in those moments in the final and the, the final seconds of the race like why do we care so much about those seconds because it's not really about the seconds but it's the choice that you make in those moments where it's so hard and you could easily give up and quit and say, I don't want to keep going. And it might not even be in the final moments of the race. It might be from the beginning of the right. race if you don't have a good day. Mm-hmm. But you keep asking, you keep telling yourself, nope, I'm not going to quit. I'm not, I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to give up. And, and those moments are what define you as human beings, as define us as human beings. That's something I love, but like I was saying, it's not just, but what I've learned about endurance is that it's more than just pushing through the pain. It's about, teaching ourselves to actually relax and find the place in our mind that is calm and completely calm and completely like stay as, as I've realized like the more I can run from this relaxed, happy place, the more I can actually get the most out of myself in the best way and, and reach that speed that I want. And so like my, my trick for going to work at hard workouts is like, how long can I stay as calm as possible? Where do I take my mind to mm-hmm. help me stay as like happy and calm as possible? And I use a lot of visualization and like images in my mind that just keep me happy. And like, it's always constantly changing, but I have different ones. Like I, since we got to spend like the summer in Mammoth Lakes, I'm, I love just picturing Mammoth Lakes. It's so beautiful. Or sometimes I'll be like, I run behind like a guy. I run behind my training partners a lot. So I picture like, just like being like, beautiful horses on a beach and like feeling the like waves coming up but, like and the horses running along the beach or I, I'll do picture myself like snowboarding and doing crazy tricks over a half pipe <laughs> or sitting a lot of times the visualization is also like me not doing the work it's me feeling like effortless mm-hmm. um kind of like you know if I'm sitting on a if I I, used, I I do a lot of I love sports like I did like water skiing a lot so I'll picture myself just like I'm just water skiing it's like the boat's pulling me it's not I'm like I don't have to work you know and I think the more that you can just keep yourself like as relaxed as possible you can, you can like trick your brain into doing something that like is, is really way above what you're capable of because like what happens is like when you hit the point of stress and your brain tells you, okay, this is, your brain starts saying, okay, this is too hard. Let's back off. Like you can't do this. But if you're tricking your brain into thinking, this is the best thing. I'm feeling so great. I love every minute of this. Then you can keep going for a lot longer. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing to help myself. And, and like, it really works. Like every, the past two big marathons, I spent the whole first three quarters of the marathon saying like, the part well the first one time was like I was like the party doesn't start until the halfway point and then the halfway <laughs> point is really not so like the 20 mile point yeah and then I spent the my my most recent 232 marathon which was like a really huge like a really crazy like time for me I had run three weeks earlier my half marathon I had run a 115 half marathon mm-hmm. and it didn't feel easy 
And then I said, I want to run twice, double the distance and only take two minutes longer. It doesn't yeah. really make sense, you know? And so I spent that whole first, like a good, like 20 miles of that marathon, just thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm just going on a little walk to the corner grocery store in Hebrew. It's called the Makola. Like I'm just going on a walk to my kids with the Makola. So it was like, it felt so breezy for so long because mm-hmm. in my head I was just like, this is the best thing I could be doing, you know? And I just smiled for as long as I could that race. And the truth is the last 10 miles, the last six miles, sorry, 10 K six miles were like extremely hard mm-hmm. because I was really like, I maxed out every second. It was like, but when I crossed the finish line, I knew that I had left like every part second of myself on that course. Like I didn't, I didn't give up one second. And I think I was able to get the most out of myself because I stayed so calm for so long. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. So any advice for someone who really wants to get into running but doesn't feel – feels awkward or feels different or feels like they don't look like a runner or any advice to somebody like that? Um, yeah, like I think that you you need to just get out there and start running yourself. Like, and if it's not out there, then start on a treadmill. And like, I don't know. I mean, to me, I've never done anything because of like, I never thought about or cared about what other people think of me. And I always say like, when you run, like, go do it for you, do it for the feeling of, you know, there's, there's no one who denies endorphins and the running endorphins are so real and so strong. I'm like, you have to get out there to feel it. And, and, um, I think it's like about, I think I always tell people like focus on your progress and whatever that means for you. It's just like, it doesn't have to be a specific goal, but maybe it's like, I want to build up to being able to run 5k, you know, straight, or I want to build up to be able to run this amount of this distance in this time or whatever it is, because, but then it becomes a journey for you and you're committed to seeing that progress and watching yourself get stronger And I do think that races are really motivating and empowering because they allow us to like the goal that's in the air that we have no idea if we're capable of and then train for it, put in the work and then watch it, like watch ourselves go out there and do it and succeed in something that we didn't know we could do before. And I think that's very like gives us mental strength to handle all the like challenges we face in life. So I would say that, like, also people obsess over, like, what other people think about them, but really no one really thinks about them. Other people, they're busy thinking about themselves. They don't right. notice, you know? That's so, so like, true. What, what you're worried about is in your head, and, uh-huh. like, you got to just, like, go out there and do what's best for you. That's so true. I have, anyway, one of my kids is in middle school right now, and he's always concerned about what other people think about him, and I'm oh, always... Oh, my husband just discovered that, like, you know, now we can embarrass our kids because they think about yes. us. They're like, when we start saying funny things, they're, they, they, they'll they be going, you know, the crazy or whatever. And it's like, he loves it. He's like, I, I realize they can embarrass my kids just by right. being who I am, just by showing up. Exactly. And we tell them all the time, we're like, we can guarantee you that the other kids in your school are not thinking about you all the time. Like you're not the main right. thought in their head. They're not watching you and focus. We love you, but you're not a person out there where everybody in the world is focused on you. <laughs> always have right. to love that. So one more quick question. What are your, now that you have learned that, I mean, you know, that not to limit yourself, what are your, your big audacious and goals for your future? Well, I was really shooting for to try and hit the standard of 229.30 in the Prague Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but that marathon is not happening. So I hope that I, I definitely do believe I can do a sub-230 marathon mm-hmm. when the time comes. I hope to run it. And I think I can get stronger. Like, I almost, I'm only, I'm 30 right now. And I right. think the best years of my running career are still ahead of me. Oh, and definitely. I just want to get the most out of myself and, like, keep building and getting stronger and, I don't know what, I mean, like the 229.30 was like what I had put for myself right now. And like, I hope I, I hope I can even exceed that. So I, I don't know yet, like what it is, but it, it's to keep, keep building and developing my strengths and potential as a runner. And like, you know, on, a, on, a, on another level, I also really want to, like, I have a hard time. I put myself out there a lot, but 
I have a hard time, um, except like people, you know, I have, I've never hired someone to like help with social media or manage all like my, like get an agent or something like that. And I do get a lot of like different requests and things to handle. And it's like, I, most of the time I, I don't do, I, I, I know that I could have a bigger and broader reach if I, if I did hire someone. And for a long time, part of me was like, well, I don't really need publicity. I don't really want it, but I've realized like two things. One is that if so many people have told me that I've been able to help them in their life and that, you know, I've heard so many messages from mothers who like we didn't, we weren't taking care of ourselves and you inspired us to get mm-hmm. out there. And to me, that's like something I'm really passionate about. So I said, if, if I can have a broader reach to make a difference in a, in a big way, in a, you know, change people's lives, like that's important to me. So I should, I should pursue hiring someone and developing my, brand even though I don't like the idea like it's hard for me to like I don't want to I've always struggled with that so I want it to be authentic I want it to be real I don't want to be like I want like I I I need to figure out the right way to do it and I'm working on it it's like a goal of mine too and I also think like if I'm supporting my family like my family deserves like if and I could be making more for the time I'm spending like I should be doing that like it's you know my family deserves that so so that was like my realization in terms of building a brand, my brand and, and to be okay with, with uh, becoming that, you know? Yeah. And I think I realized that you can do, you can kind of, if you are, people know me as some, what I, my brand is about being genuine and authentic. So what hopefully, however I grow it, it will be, people will still like accept like and appreciate it. So oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, BD, so I that's know- a real work in progress because it's very hard to balance the intense training and make time for family and do that. So I kind of have to really figure, like be strategic about it. <laughs> right. You have a lot on your plate. You definitely do. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think we all do. Part of like mm-hmm. running helps me like also kind of take off a lot from my plate, and I like it like that. Like I think I need less in my life rather than some. Mm-hmm. Well, Beatty, I know it's late over there. Um, thank you very much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate this. I'm super excited about this episode and um, having been able to talk to you. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate speaking to you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Beatty. I have links to Beatty's Facebook page, Instagram profile, and Bait Daniela's website in my show notes. The show notes are on the episode page for today's episode on your podcast app and at inaskirt.com. Thank you for listening today and thank you for supporting this podcast. Don't forget about the Taco Runner Starter Pack. Just share a picture or clip or post from this podcast on Instagram or Facebook or both and tag me in it and I'll choose a winner later this week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a good rating and review. I'd also love for you to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Podcast. You can email me at inaskirtpodcast at gmail.com and visit my website, inaskirt.com. I would love to hear from you about any guests you think would be a good fit for the show. Once again, thank you and see you next time.